You're listening to the Hustlenomics Podcast, Episode 40. Catherine is an interior designer in Raleigh, North Carolina, and she is currently working on the innovative idea of 100% online interior design. When she first started her business, her goal was to open it before she turned 24, and she opened it officially a day before her 24th birthday. After being in business for a few months, she realized she didn't feel fulfilled with doing just decorating and wanted to dive deeper into it. So combining her love of digital marketing and social media, she decided to launch her blog, My Eclectic Grace. In this episode, Catherine and I talk all about how technology has disrupted the interior design business, how you can really tailor your marketing strategy to your ideal client, the importance of contracts, and the highs and lows of working from home. I'm super excited to share this interview with Catherine with you guys, so let's jump in. listening to the Hustlenomics podcast, a podcast all about inspiring female creative entrepreneurs, their stories, experiences, and life lessons. Hear from women working in creative industries who are breaking the rules and doing things their way. Learn from their challenges, struggles, failures, and successes, and get an inside look at their top tools and resources that help them along the way. Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning into the Hustlenomics podcast. I'm your host, Katie, and today I'm talking with Catherine Talapa. She's an interior designer and a business owner, and she owns Honey Bee Interior Design in Raleigh, North Carolina. So, Catherine, thank you so much for coming on the show. Sure. Thank you for having me. So, would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about Honey Bee Interior Design? Sure. Um, I went to school for interior design. It's always been my biggest passion kind of the only thing I've ever been interested in. So after graduating with my interior design degree, I worked for someone for a little, but I realized I kind of wanted to do stuff my own way. I really connected with millennials and, you know, kind of new age design styles and aesthetic. So I created my own design company, Honey Bee Interior Design. And it was kind of silly, but my biggest goal was to launch this before my 24th birthday, just so I could say I did it because I'm just stubborn like that. So I completely launched the business a day before my birthday and have just kind of been figuring it out since then. So was there a reason you chose 24 or was that just like a way to give yourself a deadline? It was kind of just a way to give myself a deadline. I felt like if I didn't set something in stone and kind of like a milestone for myself that I would just keep planning and preparing and waiting. And I've learned that if you wait until you're ready, you'll never do something. So I kind of just bit the bullet and launched it. I love that. That's so true. So I would love to go back a little bit to when you had graduated and you were working for this other business. Were you working for another interior designer? I was. Right out of school, I knew I needed to gain some experience under somebody. So I was employed under a woman who is an amazingly talented interior designer. And I worked for her about a year and I learned a ton. And she kind of told me, you know, you're ready to go out there and do this on your own, even if you think you're not. So she kind of gave me the push to go start my own thing, I guess. That's awesome. Have you always been kind of an entrepreneurial person or was this something that you discovered about yourself that you didn't expect? I really wasn't aware really of the whole entrepreneurial set before college and all of that. Everyone in my family had always been corporate minded and went down that path. But after school, I realized when you're in the art field and creative field, 
it's really hard to find steady jobs. You're not forming something for yourself. So it was kind of a fight or flight situation. I realized I kind of had to carve it for myself. Definitely. So what was your reaction when the person you were working for said, you know, you should go out and do this yourself, have your own business? Were you kind of freaked out by that? I was totally freaked out. I was only 22 and I'd only been out of school for about six months when she told me, you know, like, you can go do this. You could start just like I did. And I was like, slow down. I have no idea. Like, I just bought my own car. I was had <laughs> no idea how to even start a company. But ever since she said that, it kind of was ingrained in my head. And it was always like a little voice in the back of my head telling me, you know, that that was the path I wanted to go down. It was something I knew I was just eventually going to do. That's awesome. So has she kind of been acting as like a mentor a little bit on your journey? She was a little bit after I left the company. She's so busy all the time that she helped in the beginning, but she's always been really supportive of what I've been doing. But I didn't really have a mentor. I kind of just figured things out as I went, um, talking to friends who also were starting businesses of their own, and we all kind of just supported each other. Yeah, I love that. So you're 22. You decided you want to start your own business. Like what happened next? (laughs) What steps did you take once you realized that you actually wanted to do this thing? I got, I had a part-time job after I left her company and just kind of like a really simple office job. I wanted to still have a steady income, but try to start doing my own thing. So I started doing freelance design, which I didn't form my own company for. I just started helping you know, like family, friends, some neighbors. And then once word got around and I started getting more projects and bigger projects, I realized I kind of needed to make an LLC and make it something official so that I could start building a brand. Mm -hmm. So how did your family react when you told them? Because you mentioned that like they were mostly in the corporate world. So what was their reaction when you said that you were going to start your own business at 22? (laughs) They, I don't think they believed me until they saw like the website up and the business cards. They just, I've always been like the creative, artistic oddball of the family. (laughs) So for them, they really didn't know what to think. But once I started going and a, a month into business, they were all super thrilled for me and, you know, were really proud of what I'd done, which was really awesome. I think it was just really out of their wheelhouse and they, had never done it, no one in my family. So they really didn't know what to think at first. Yeah, it can be a little shocking (laughs) to people. But once they see like, like you said, a business card or a website where it's kind of real, they're like, Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So okay, so walk me through what you do with honeybee designs. Are you I mean, I know interior design, but it's kind of like that's a broad spectrum of an industry. So do you have a specific niche that you work in or, or a specific aesthetic? Yeah. When I first started, I wanted to appeal to everyone. So I did all design styles. And then I realized that I really needed to make a niche for myself. So I specialize in eclectic and bohemian decor, which is really big right now. And ever since I kind of made that my forte, I've seen my business blow up. And so I do a lot of online interior design, actually. So I do clients all around the country. Um, I've had a few international clients, and it's kind of just a new way of doing things. So like I said, I've worked for a traditional designer, and I didn't really love that process of long meetings with clients and shopping with them. Now it's kind of more like 
you know, Pinterest and ordering things online and Amazon and people want everything simplified and people want like their designs done now. They don't want to spend months planning. Totally. That's so interesting. So you're actually designing spaces that you've never seen in person. Yeah, correct. Crazy. So how does that work? I mean, I've been just looking for a new place to, we're moving soon. I've been looking for a new place to live and it's like, I get anxiety just thinking, oh, you know, this picture might be showing a weird angle. Or So how does that even work? You're doing it all virtual. Yeah. So normally I just get somebody, it's a lot through Facebook business, um, honestly. And I'll talk to them at first and just kind of get a feel for what they're looking for, what their design style is before I even see their space or know like the spectrum of the project. And then I have an online studio, so they'll send in pictures of their space, measurements of the room. Um, you know, I require like every angle of the room so that I get a full picture. And then I also have people link their Pinterest boards or inspiration spaces because a lot of people don't really know what their style is, but they have a whole Pinterest board of first house or something like that, which gives me a pretty good idea. Right. Um, and then from there, I can create a plan digitally, you know, with Photoshop and all the different softwares. Nowadays, it's so simple to put something together and just email it over. Mm-hmm. And do you do like all the online shopping yourself and just send like suggestions or is it a collaborative thing? How does that work? Um, yeah, it's a collaborative thing. So I'll show them a few you know, items and say, is this what you're looking for? And it almost works like if you're familiar with Google Drive where people can comment back and so people can veto it and be like no I wanted something different or I'm looking for a different color and I go back and forth until they're 100% happy and then they um, will end up with a whole shopping list and with that shopping list they can just literally click the links so yeah so you can buy like your entire room design you know laying in bed on a Friday night I love that so I think this is so interesting to me because it's an example of like an industry that was completely disrupted by technology like the internet and the ability to do all this over the internet and have a client in like France or something if you wanted, you know, that's a complete 360 to what interior design was 30, 40 years ago, you know, where you have to go shopping and actually be in the space. And I think that's so interesting. And so like how much of your job is virtual and how much of it is like the in-person kind of traditional interior design? Right now it's about 50-50. So I do still see clients in the Raleigh area, but it's for very simple things, just like consultations or picking out fabrics. And I keep it very simple and casual. You know, we'll do it like at a coffee shop and we'll go get our favorite drinks and I'll just bring my laptop. So a lot of it is still using the internet and online shopping. It's just some of my older clients really like that face-to-face interaction, which I can't, you know, argue with that's still really comforting at times to have when you are paying for a service like this. Oh, totally, totally. So now that I kind of understand what you do, I would like to go back a little bit again to the beginning when you were starting this business and kind of deciding the messaging you wanted to put out there, you you found your niche. So where did you go from there to kind of start branding yourself within that niche? Yeah, so I started looking at designers that I admire and, you know, big names, and then looking designers around this area. And since I'm in the South, it's very traditional and old Southern, and that was totally not me. So I knew I wanted to really, you know, my strong point was going to be my authenticity and rawness with it. And I wanted to appeal to a younger crowd of people who 
really, you know, people, I guess my age in their 20s who really didn't think about interior design, but they might have grown up watching HGTV. Mm -hmm. So my branding was geared towards, you know, using the internet and Instagram and creating that Pinterest worthy space and kind of using that lingo that would draw the attention of people using social media these days. And so I just kind of wanted to put something out there that I really hadn't seen before. Yeah, definitely. I like that. So you, you found here your ideal client and your audiences. And I'm just curious because like, you know, marketing to millennials and all that stuff, it's gotten to a point where a lot of us can do things ourselves. We're very DIY. We can go on the internet, watch YouTube, just figure it out. And instead of our parents would have hired somebody to do it, for example, an interior designer, a lot of millennials are just saying like, I can figure this out. I can go on Pinterest. So like, how are you navigating that with like, you know, people might see having an interior designer as like a luxury kind of thing. How have you navigated that, especially your audience being, you know, millennials? Yeah, I kind of put it more as me not doing all the work for my client, because personally, you know, if I'm to hire someone, if I was to hire a designer, for example, I want it to be super like, like a collaboration. Yeah. So I kind of put it out there as a you know, something where I'm going to help you figure yourself out and you are putting on the finishing touches. I'm just more there as like a friend and a guide and like an eye. So I kind of market it that way. You know, it's not me coming in and telling you what to do, which is the traditional sense. And I think what a lot of people thought interior design was, but it's more me coming in as a friend and walking through your space and kind of just guiding you and being like, okay, well, this could go here and helping clients move furniture or um, my clients who are local, I'll go shopping with them. So, you know, on a Saturday morning, we'll go grab coffee and I'll meet them at Home Goods or something like that. So it's just more casual, um, which I think millennials are way more comfortable with, especially if I just throw in there, like, let's grab coffee and let's go shopping together. It's much more appealing. I love that. And that just kind of highlights the importance of knowing your audience. Because I mean, if you were, you know, marketing to affluent, you know, people in their 50s and 60s, you would maybe want to market it as like, this is a luxury product. You know, this is something that, you know, only maybe your bracket of people could afford. But you know, I really love that you're so in touch with your audience. And so you're kind of marketing in a different way, and which is so important, because some people can be tone deaf to that. Right. Right. So how have you gone about like finding your clients once you kind of got everything up and running. Yeah, this was the biggest hurdle for me. I really had no idea how to even start doing this. But I had a few friends who were graphic designers and kind of they had their own business going and starting. So I started taking cues from them. I didn't want to do in person networking, because it felt really old school to me. There wasn't a lot of, you know, new business coming into these networking events in my area. So um, I turned to social media, an Instagram page, and really Facebook, and targeting people in my area through Facebook groups, um, specialized groups, like young mom groups, um, and trying to find where my ideal clients would be, and just starting conversations with them, not even trying to sell them services, but seeing what their struggles kind of were when it came to home decor. Um, so I could just figure out better how to serve them, how to relate to them, and I guess gain their trust enough 
because it's a huge thing to let someone into your home and dictate things. You really have to build that friendship first. Totally. Yeah. And I like the idea of, you know, figuring out how to serve instead of immediately selling. I feel like that's one of the best ways to actually kind of build a client base instead of just saying like immediate right up front, like, hey, buy my services. It's more of like, hey, let's have a conversation. Yeah. Let's build a relationship. And then once you trust me, we can actually move towards that selling point. Yeah, definitely. It makes such a big difference. So have you worked with your ideal client? I know some people have and some people just have imagined them. But have you had a project where you're like, this is exactly have been wanting to work with? Yes, I have somewhat. I'm getting there. Of course, as an interior designer, your ideal client has an endless budget. Totally. (laughs) Not realistic at all. But I have found people who have the same design aesthetic that I'm always trying to go after. Same age, same lifestyle. And so that has been really fun. And I've definitely, you know, in the very beginning of the business, I was taking on anybody, which I learned right away was, you know, not the best thing. But I think that's kind of all the trials that most new business owners go through. So I'm still searching for the perfect client, but I have, I've gotten close. (laughs) Yeah. And I love that you mentioned taking on anybody when you're first starting, because that can be like such a, I don't know, controversial topic when it comes to people giving advice to people first starting out. Some people I've heard say like, take anybody, you need the money. I totally get it. You'll learn from that experience. And some people are saying like, no, only work with your ideal clients from the beginning. Right. So like what did you learn from working with those people that maybe weren't exactly the best fit? Well, on a legal note, I totally learned that I needed a stronger contract. So interesting. But I also learned that, you know, I had some clients who just, I knew they weren't the right fit from the get go, but I really wanted the money. And in the end, the stress and, um, just the anxiety that those kind of projects brought on and the clients who really didn't mesh well with me, I realized it was not worth that money. So I think that was the biggest lesson I learned, you know, is it going to be worth it? And overall, is it going to be, is it going to better my business? Or is it just going to put like a lot of stress on my personal life? Totally. Like, what am I giving up for this money? Am I giving up like peace of mind? Am I giving up sleeping at night? That kind of thing. I I mean, I've been through the, the same thing. Yeah. And so like, how did you go from just taking anybody and everybody to a point where you can actually choose and pick the people that you know are going to mesh well with you and your business? Yeah. So I kind of stopped. I was kind of targeting, you know, everybody. And once I started to figure out my niche and just talk to those people, the clients that wouldn't have been a good fit, I think not necessarily were turned off by what I was saying, but it didn't attract them anymore. Yeah. So I kind of just, you know, transitioned that way. I was putting out what I was putting out. And if people didn't want my service, then I realized they wouldn't have been the best clients for me anyway. Yeah, I think that's a hard lesson to learn that kind of repel and attract thing. So like, what did you do on a practical sense? Like, did you change your copy? Did you change the pictures you were putting out there? Like, for somebody who's kind of going through this and trying to figure out how the hell am I going to not get inquiries from people that I don't want to work with and do get inquiries from the people I do want to work with? How can they make like practical changes in their business to see that change? One of the biggest things when I when it comes to this for me personally and I think for everyone is to be super authentic and that word's kind of thrown around nowadays like oh yeah no die you should be authentic but when it comes down to it I realize that 
I had created my website with the idea in mind that I wanted to attract the most people. I wanted everyone to love me. And then, you know, a few months into business, I realized I don't need everyone to love me. I need to attract my tribe and create loyalty to the people who really connected with me. You know, if Joe Schmo down the street doesn't love my design, that's okay. I can live with that. But in the beginning, you know, I really couldn't, I couldn't fathom that. So I changed the copy on my website. I just changed the branding to be more true to who I am. I, you know, for very specifically, like I used headshots that were super professional and really didn't, for me, it didn't feel authentic. So I went out and took pictures in just my casual clothes with my puppy where I was truly like myself and happy. And as soon as I put that content up on my website, I had three clients contact me the next day. And so it showed me that just putting myself out there and being real was the number one thing I needed to switch. That is awesome. I love that story about like the pictures of yourself because it's really true. If you're showing pictures of yourself online or social media or anything like that, I mean, people make assumptions off of those images. So like actually showing yourself in real life with, you know, your dog and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I think that probably, like you said, made a huge difference. So I think that's a great tip for people out there who are trying to figure out what's something I can do. Don't put up the professional headshot that's on your LinkedIn that you think everybody else wants to see. Like put up something that actually looks like you if you just were on a Tuesday at 2 p.m., you know? Uh, something really important that just kind of, you know, I just realized or have learned and taken to heart in the last few weeks is that people, you know, there's so many businesses out there. And specifically to me, there's so many interior designers that people aren't buying my service because I'm an interior designer. And because of the experience I have, they're buying it because of the brand. So they're going to buy my service because they like me and they like my attitude towards it. So I think that's a huge tip I could give out to people to remember people are really purchasing into you and investing in you as a person. So people are going to love, you know, the people who are going to love you for who you are are going to be the best clients. So it's always best to put your face out there and just be real. Definitely. I think one of my other guests said something along the lines of like, people don't buy from businesses, they buy from people. Right. That's like such a good thing to remember, I think, always. Definitely. So as you mentioned before, you're kind of in an industry where you've got to convince people to invite you into their home, invite you into their life. It's a very intimate relationship that you have with your clients probably. So along with the other things you said, just kind of keeping things casual, going to coffee, shopping together, are there things that you've done specifically in your client experience to kind of build that trust with people, which is difficult, but really necessary for what you're doing? Yeah. So especially in my field, there is a lot of talking before ever getting anywhere with a project. So if I need to spend an hour on the phone with clients, breaking down every cost and every you know, every bit of my process, I do that for them. At first, I was super annoyed. And I was like, I'm not going to spend an hour talking to this person, you know, if they don't trust my process. But I realized people want to understand things when they're spending money. Um, and, you know, I look at it with the role reversed, and I would want to know. I think doing that, people really appreciate me talking to them as a person on the phone whenever, you know, if they get off late at work, or if they have to wait till they put their kids to bed, um, I kind of try to make it, you know, accessible to them and all their questions answered. So they don't feel like they're in the dark at all. 
Totally. Keeping them in the loop. I think that's a great idea. Because you're right. People do get nervous when they don't know what's going on. Right. <laughs> it has to do with something as personal as where they're going to be living. Right. Mm -hmm. And so since you are in a people-oriented business, you mentioned your contract, which is something that like I've been shocked a lot of people don't have one. Like They just don't even yeah. send their clients a contract at all. And, you know, I've worked for certain companies where they were so worried about being taken into court that they had a contract for every single little thing. So it kind of got stuck in my mind. I would love to hear your take on that and like how your contract has evolved and how you send it to people without making it awkward, you know, everything that's kind of associated with that. Right. So at first, when I was first beginning, I just had a very simple contract. I think I found it online and I was like, all right, this will work. I wanted to just launch my business. And I started using that and realized that when it comes to, you know, being in people's homes and all that and the heavy fees that come with interior design, that I needed something just a little bit beefier to protect myself. And so now I have contracts for all different types, you know, all my different, I have a few different service packages and there's a contract for each one and I make sure my client reads over it and you know I let them call me if they have any questions I always encourage it like call me after you read the contract we'll talk through anything and I've amended some things for people just to make it more comfortable so I think just being really open and honest about it and being very clear and also if you have the money to spend on, you know, contacting an attorney or anything like that, it's definitely well spent because you just never know what could go wrong with that. Absolutely. Is that what you did? Did you have a lawyer draw them up or did you go the template route? I did. I had, I made it myself and then I showed it to a lawyer and just had them kind of go through and redline it and just fix a few things for me. Yeah, that's so important because you really never know what is going to happen. You know, some people can seem really reasonable and all of a sudden get very crazy. So yeah. it's just always good to have that in place. And I cannot hammer that home enough. And I like that you have a different contract for all the different services instead of just one fit for everything. I'm sure that has served you well so far. It has, definitely. So what does like a typical day look like for you and your business? Do you work from home? I do. Um, I work from home. I have a home studio and every day is a little bit different. I'll go through, you know, since it's still a startup, I don't have a ton of work all the time. So some weeks I'll just, you know, it'll just be marketing and I'll focus on that. I'll focus on, you know, prospective leads. And then some weeks it's just full design all the time. But I try to not work a full eight hour day because I just get burnt out so easily, especially when doing creative things. I think it's really important to take a step back. So I spend a ton of time with my dog and walking. I live right near a park and I'll go there during the day and take lunch breaks. So it's really, for me, it's just about balance, which is the whole reason I went to work for myself. I wanted to have that balance and flexibility. Mm -hmm. Actually, you mentioned something that I would love to kind of dive into. Those times when you maybe don't have as much work as you would like. It, I, I found that it's like tons of work where you're almost overwhelming and then it goes to like nothing. 
And so I think that's one of the scariest things that people bring up when they're trying to work for themselves. You know, if you're doing a nine to five corporate job, you're guaranteed a paycheck, you're guaranteed work no matter what, hopefully. But, you know, working for yourself, you will have those downtimes, you will have those lulls in business. So how have you navigated that, like making sure that you still are keeping busy and you still have a paycheck coming in? How has that worked for you? Yeah, so there are weeks when I go with, you know, no work and it hasn't been more than a few weeks at a time. But um, I also think of marketing as part of that job. So if I'm spending, you know, 10 or 20 hours a week marketing. At first, it was really hard, you know, because you're not getting paid. But I looked at it as a return on investment is that that is going to bring me money in. And I also have partnered with some other services um, in my area so that when there is a downtime, I can kind of pick up some work that is design related. Like if somebody needs help, creating a rendering or a home staging or a realtor wants advice. I've kind of branched myself out so I don't have all my eggs in one basket. Mm-hmm. I like that. And where do you find those jobs? Just online? Like Facebook? Um, Yeah, just a lot of it through LinkedIn and just knowing other people in my industry. The people who are in this industry are always looking for odd jobs. So it's kind of, it's really common for interior designers to always have like a few little side hustles going on. Oh, definitely. I think it's almost necessary. <laughs> I mean, you would, you would like to have that main business work for you all the time, but sometimes you got to do a, a little hustling on the side for sure. So working for yourself, you get to make all your own rules, set your hours. And it seems like you found a really good balance between all of that. Was that something that came naturally or did you kind of struggle with it at first? I struggled so hard with this in the moment. It was really challenging because in my head, I'd only ever known, you know, 40 hour work weeks. So I would set myself up for that where I'd work from eight to five and take my hour lunch break. And I try to regulate it so strictly. And I was getting super burnout from that. And I realized, you know, I work for myself and I can make my own schedule. So some days I will just take a whole mental health day and just do nothing Um, And the other days I'll work, you know, 10 hours just because I'll feel creative and get that creative kick. So I think it's more about listening to yourself and taking care of yourself mentally and physically and not, you know, burning yourself out when you work for yourself because it's no one's going to tell you to slow down and no one's going to tell you when to do stuff either. You really have to just kind of be intuitive. Yeah. Are there certain things that you have in your self-care routine that really work? I am trying to get to a routine. So I like to start off my day with just simple meditation. I like to go outside and I usually take a walk in the morning and it just kind of grounds myself. And I don't look at any social media for the first hour of my day just to kind of keep my head clear and focused. And so, and that's something new I've kind of just started. So I feel like you know, when you get up, sometimes if you just look at your phone right away and check all your emails, it's a horrible way to just get so overwhelmed. Yeah, I agree. And do you have like tactics or anything in place to kind of like tell yourself, okay, I've done enough for the day? Like I, I definitely have been in the same situation that you mentioned where it's like, I'm feeling on a creative kick. I'm just going to keep working until like midnight, which is not good for anybody. That's just not healthy. So do you have a system in place to be like, okay, I've done enough work for the day. <laughs> I'm done. I'm, I'm going to clock out. Yeah. Usually it's usually around dinner time between like six and seven. Uh, my boyfriend will get home from work and you know, my dog will be coming over to me and <laughs> needing fed. 
And so that's kind of when I realized, you know, it's time, it's family time and it's time to shut stuff off. Even if I didn't get enough done to the, for the day, I kind of forced myself to stop around, you know, the time most everyone else who would be getting off work stops just to kind of keep myself level headed and, you know, have a good sleep schedule. So I never try to work into the night. Mm-hmm. That's a good strategy. I like that. Yeah. And you mentioned you have a boyfriend, you know, your family has always kind of been a big part of yeah. your journey and all that stuff. So I'm always curious, like starting your own business can be really hard on relationships sometimes. Sometimes you're, it doesn't affect it too much, but other times it can be like a massive change for people to deal with. So have you noticed that you're owning your own business has affected your relationships at all? I have. It's definitely affected my relationship with my boyfriend, but in a like the best way possible. When I was working a corporate job, I was super stressed out with not enough time for myself and just not being able to do stuff the way I wanted. And even though starting my own business was a huge learning curve, he kind of, you know, took the bull by the horns and helped me because he's very left brain and logical. And so he tried to help me with a lot of the logistics and the legal aspects of the business. So it was kind of We kind of went at it as a team. I feel very fortunate for that. It didn't drive us apart. You know, I was less stressed and had more time to be with him because he has a very flexible job. So it was really good in that aspect. That's awesome. I'm so glad to hear that. You know, it's so funny. I hear that all the time. People are working these nine to five corporate jobs that are just like draining every ounce of, you know, happiness and joy out of their life. And they're like sick all the time and being, you know, they're stressed all the time. And the minute they let go of that, it's like all their relationships improve, mental health improves. I've seen it a lot and I'm like, goodness gracious, sometimes it can go the opposite way, but I'm glad to hear that it's gone really well for you. So what has surprised you the most about working for yourself that you maybe didn't see coming? I think working for yourself, I didn't realize how lonely, I guess, at times it can be. I'm a very like Mm -hmm. introverted person and I can, you know, work in my studio by myself all day without needing any interaction. I do great like that. But when you're by yourself all day and, you know, you're your own accountant, you're your own lawyer, you're your own everything, it can become kind of stressful and lonely at times. Just you don't have, you know, those other colleagues to lean on or to ask questions about. So I think that has been a huge struggle. But I know I'm definitely not alone in that. I hear a lot of business owners speak to things like that. Oh, yeah. I think I hear it all the time. So what do you do to kind of like help with that isolation? I have tried to, you know, network with other small business owners. And a lot of them are working hustles from their computer or, you know, their laptop life. And so a lot of relationships are still over the internet, I guess. But I have made friendships that way. I've met other bloggers, other interior designers who I'll face chat with, or, you know, when they have downtime, we'll call and talk about our business. So it has been really nice in that aspect. I wish people were more, it was more face to face, but it can be really hard to find that community. Mm -hmm. Definitely can be. That's something that I I worked from home for a little bit in between my corporate jobs. So like I've felt like that before and I was like, good Lord, I don't think I've talked to anybody today except for myself a little bit. (laughs) It can be crazy. And you have a dog too, which that helps. It's like forces you to get out of the house. I know. Yeah. But I do feel like insane at times because he will be the only one I'll talk to for eight hours. (laughs) Yeah. They're great listeners though. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes I'll just get out and change up my setting or go to a coffee shop just to be around people. um, Mm -hmm. Because I think it can be, it can make you feel 
just crazy and isolated if you just keep totally. Yeah. And sometimes a change of scenery can kind of help creatively too. I find that like if I'm sitting on my couch for three days, if I just go somewhere else, I'm like, oh my gosh, all these new ideas just popped in my head. Yes. So are there any tech hacks or apps or anything like that that you just can't live without that is really helping you in your business recently? There are. For productivity, I actually just downloaded an app that I had forgot about since college and it's called Site Blocker. And it you can put a whole list of things to block on your computer. So if I need to get a design done or sent, or I need to spend an hour on marketing, I'll block out everything else. And my computer only lets me focus on that one thing. That's awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. I couldn't go on my days without that. Um, <laughs> I might have to get that. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. I used it all the time for studying. And then I was like, wow, I could use this in my business now. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm da- so I'll link to everything that you you mentioned in the show notes. So do you have any big goals or projects that you're working on right now or upcoming in the next year that you're really excited about? I just recently launched a blog that I am super pumped about. Um, it's been about a month right now that it's been live. And that's kind of been my main focus. It took a ton of energy and a ton of my time. So in the next year, I'm hoping that that kind of becomes a huge traffic area for my business. It's linked to it. And it was just a way of getting out some more like creativity and self-expression other than just talking to clients, you know, blogging about it is a great way for people to actually see what I'm talking about. So what do you write about on your blog? It's all about like DIY home decor and budget homes. I recently bought my first house. Congrats. Thank you. So I have been renovating it in all my spare time. So I'm documenting the whole journey of renovating it and all the mistakes I'm making or, you know, the wins and putting it out there for other people as a resource. So I just Mm -hmm. kind of started doing it as something fun on the side. And then it became kind of big and people wanted more and more of it. So I decided to make an entire blog around it. It just started as an Instagram. Oh, I love that. I'm a huge DIYer and the Bohemian aesthetic is right up my alley. So I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah. So that's my big goal for this year is to um, make that another big stream of income for myself. Nice. Well, you just might become the Joanna Gaines in North Carolina. (laughs) That would be amazing. (laughs) Yeah. So are there any um, other resources out there like books or podcasts or courses that you found really helpful that you would recommend? Yeah. This isn't related to just my niche, but Jenna Kutcher's podcast was one of the first I ever discovered. And I'm sure everyone already knows about her, but it's something when I'm just feeling stuck, I listen to and you know, I get distracted really easily. So it's nice that they're kind of short and I can just go through them. I definitely, you know, it's no, there's no set book for this, but journaling and a mindset journal and writing down your goals and meditating. I have went through so many journals since I started this business. And that's something huge that I always recommend to people. And then just really, I think even if you're not a planner too, investing in some type of planning, either software or I'm old school. So I still have a huge planner that I just write everything down in but, and I love it. And it's, it totally looks like I'm in high school, but it, I love it. And that's something that has really helped me. But other than that, you know, I'm huge on just looking at other people's blogs and there's no books that I've really went through. I get too distracted easily to 
even finish a whole book. <laughs> Do you have somebody that it's like another interior designer that you really look up to? There isn't really one in particular. There is a few on Instagram that have really like, like Studio McGee is a huge one. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they started really small, just kind of, you know, for their friends and family and grew into, into an entire lifestyle brand. And they're very humble and kind people. Um, and so I've always just looked up to them and their honesty and um, just their stories super inspiring. Awesome. Well, I'll link to all of that in the show notes so everybody can find them. And can you also let everybody know how they can find you and your website and your blog and all that? Sure. My website is hbeinteriordesign.com. You'll have to spell that out because it is the worst thing to say out loud. <laughs> but and then my blog is my eclectic grace, which is not the same name and it's not really affiliated with my um, company. But it's all about eclectic decor and just living an eclectic lifestyle and making it all work. Instagram is the same, um, my eclectic grace. Perfect. Well, like I said, I'm about to start decorating a whole new place. So I will definitely be on there looking for some tips and tricks. But thank you so much for doing this. It's been so awesome to talk to you. Yes, thank you so much for having me on here. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed today's interview. Don't forget that you can check out previous episodes as well as all the show notes at www.hustlenomicspodcast.com. If you want to support the show, you can head over to iTunes and leave a rating or a review. Each review means so much to me and it really helps the podcast on the business end. If you want to find another way to support the show, we're also on Patreon. You can find a link to our Patreon on our website. If you have any questions or you have a topic you would like to hear covered on the show, feel free to DM me on Instagram or send me an email. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Hustlenomics Podcast. Be sure to visit www.hustlenomicspodcast.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover bonus content. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to hear more, just head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. For questions about the podcast or if you want to apply to be a guest, use the contact form found on our website. Thank you for listening, and until next time, keep hustling.